BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Arielle Laurie, host of the Blonde Files podcast, where every Wednesday I cover all things wellness. After nearly dying from drugs and alcohol six years ago, I've been on a mission to live my best, most fulfilled life, and I'm sharing everything with you. From how to achieve optimal health, well-being, and fulfillment, to the best beauty tips and even cosmetic procedures, I cover it all with raw, candid conversations with experts and inspirational guests. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Most of the time when we hear the term, unlock your potential, what we imagine is you wake up earlier than you've ever woken up before. You do some amazing workout and then you have a most productive work day ever and then you and most of the time when people are talking about unlocking potential they're usually selling some vehicle some external vehicle by which we trained our internal state to help us stop blocking ourselves from doing the best day ever kind of thing and it really takes for granted and shuts down a lot of the joy for going, okay, well, where I am is where I am. And I'm going to start with what I have in front of me. Hey, everybody, and welcome to RealPod. I'm Victoria Garrick, former D1 athlete and mental health and body image advocate. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you awesome guests, weekly inspiration, and the realest conversations around everything and anything. Now let's get real. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Real Pod. I'm hoping that the vibes are good. I know we're nearing the holidays. Thanksgiving is tomorrow. Whether you celebrated or not, we are getting to that time of year where things are a bit more festive and hopefully that's lifting up your spirits given everything going on right now. I wanted to have someone on for this week, especially who could speak to gratitude and happiness and joy. And so many of the themes that we see talked about and celebrated during the holidays. And I think this person is the best suited human for the job. He was one of my professors at USC. We developed a relationship and I really look up to all of his work. And it is truly an honor for me to bring him here today to have a conversation that can hopefully help all of you during this week really tap into what it means to be grateful and be happy and be joyful 
during a time where it's really hard to tap into those emotions. Dr. Glenn Fox is a neuroscientist who studies human performance and brain behavior. He conducts research on the brain's role in gratitude, social cognition, effective neuroscience, and social influence. He's won awards from the Greater Good Science Center, the Oscar Schindler Humanities Foundation, and the Shoah Foundation Institute for his innovation. In his free time, he's a mechanic and he teaches the science of peak performance at USC, Marshall School of Business. Woo woo. I took that class. I'm super excited for us to reunite today and talk about the science of gratitude, human potential, which by the way, I'm going to give you a warning. He says some groundbreaking things about potential and how a person can truly feel like we are at the right place at the right moment. Because I know we all want to feel that way. And he's going to tell us how he believes we can get there. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Dr. Glenn Fox. Dr. Fox, Professor Fox, as I used to know you by, thank you for taking the time to come on RealPod. I'm so excited to speak with you today. And it's funny because I was researching and prepping to interview you. And I was thinking how our conversations back at USC always used to be so great and they were just so organic. And so I was also trying to remind myself, okay, we don't have to do so much research. We don't have to prep so many questions because every time I've spoken with you. You've always just dropped like bombs of knowledge. So thanks for coming on the show. Well, thanks for setting a low bar and I'm <laughs> delighted to be here uh, to all your listeners out there. You really stood out as a star student and I'm just so excited to see everything you're doing to help folks. And hopefully what we talk about here can translate into that as well. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. And it's funny that you say that. I don't think many other professors would have said that, but your class I actually enjoyed. So I was like participating and paying attention. I feel like especially right now is the best time for your class. And it must be kind of difficult to have the conversations at least we had about optimism and gratitude because there's so much going on that it almost has to be taken to like a deeper level because we can't just have this it's hard to have a surface level appreciation for the world and be grateful when there's so much going on. And especially right now with Thanksgiving coming up, I feel like it's probably a lot harder for people to find what they're thankful for and and really maybe mean it. I know I'm someone who's like, oh yeah, I'm grateful, but I don't always feel the gratitude. Do you have any thoughts on how gratitude and optimism have kind of been changed in the way at least you're having those conversations because of the pandemic and everything going on? It starts with defining what we mean by gratitude and optimism in a very careful and accurate way. When we talk about these things, we're not talking about them as synonyms for happiness and synonyms for everything is great. We have to talk about them according to what their definition actually is. With gratitude in particular, it's a shift to focusing on whatever we have, however small, that is going okay, that is going well, maybe going great. But at the very least, gratitude shifts our focus to things that are okay. And we always have, believe it or not, things that we can be grateful for. But gratitude is like a muscle. And when we hear all the time about how important it is to be grateful, to be that gratitude, this is the attitude of gratitude, we hear these things all the time. 
And I think for many people, this becomes kind of a cudgel or a, a blunt instrument where it, it starts to induce so many eye rolls or like, okay, I'm so sick of hearing about how important it is to be grateful. What you don't hear often is how to be grateful when things are tough. You don't hear often about, you know, what are the skills that need to go into creating gratitude on a regular basis. So we start with that. We start with the definition that gratitude is, you know, the emotion, the feeling that we can have when we notice something that we need that came at some effort. With that in mind, we can look around pretty much any moment, even when things are very tough, and find something that somebody did to benefit us. So I look at here. I have a coffee mug. Your viewers can understand what a coffee mug looks like. You don't have to see it, but you can imagine. I have a very nice blue ceramic coffee mug that was given to me as a birthday present many years ago. Every time I open it, I try to have a moment of gratitude for, for that. Even if it didn't come as a present, I could still look at it and imagine the work that went into it. I could imagine what it took to pull the materials from the earth to create it. And each individual person who had a hand in making this mug and trying to make a good mug for me, they didn't know it was for me in particular, but they knew that somebody was going to hopefully buy and use the mug. Each step of the way, had somebody putting some thumbprint on this that I can be uh, grateful for. And so even something right now, even if I was sitting here and I'm stuck at home and I'm not, I'm, I'm not uh, with my students and I have a newborn son who oh I my gosh, would congratulations. love to be here. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, he's six months old, little Bennett. Oh, um, Bennett. And he's, yeah, he's really cute. And, you know, and so I'm trying to work and crank away, of course. Your podcast is fun work, <laughs> luckily, yeah. but still, still, you know, is, is, tough to be here, not in person. And there's so many things that I could look at it and say, oh, this is so tough to have a newborn baby during the quarantine. Yet it's that for one millisecond, I go, that's pretty good. Thank you. And that's good. And that's how you start to build gratitude as a muscle. It's, it's little steps. It's little things that you notice and sometimes big things, but it's, it's never using it as a, as a, as a blunt instrument against ourselves to think we're not grateful enough when things are tough. Things are tough right now. Some things we can have that, that overwhelming gratitude for automatically, but really to, to cultivate the benefits of gratitude means doing small reps. I'm already buzzing with so many questions. And I actually have one that <laughs> I wasn't planning to ask you this. It's kind of dark, but I feel like we should just go with it because when you talk about you know finding small meaning in the mug and in these little things in life. Now, I don't know if you're religious or not, but I tend to think that, you know, I don't believe everything happens for a reason because then that would mean, you know, everything was pre-planned and if everything's pre-planned, free will doesn't really work. And so I kind of think that it's so much easier to just think maybe the person making the mug, we like to think that they, they crafted it with care and love, but what if the person didn't? It's so much easier to think of negative or why there's no meaning in things. I don't know if it's easier. I think it's more natural to be sure. I don't know what the person was thinking when they made the mug, but they still made a really good mug. I would say that this mug in particular though, that, that it has so many individual, you know, it you can see it's like a hand, yeah. it's a handmade mug. It's got, I don't know where they found this, but it's got some cool like neuroscience theme on it. It has a spinal cord cross section on it. It's really cool. I think I can defend that it was made with some care. Mm-hmm. 
Now, the other mugs in our cabinet, we have some other kind of handmade ceramic mugs that feel a little bit more machine made. And you can still generate some gratitude, but it's perfectly fine to say this mug makes me more grateful than the other mugs that don't feel as thoughtful, right? Like this is kind of point two about gratitude. If if it's like a muscle, then it's about developing the skill around it. It's not about having all of it all the time. As you know from, from your time as a volleyball player, you don't hit the ball as hard as you can every single time you touch it, right? Like it's not... If you're, if you're setting up, I don't know anything about volleyball, but if you're, if you're trying to just like set the ball for a teammate, you don't hit it as hard as you can. You've got to hit it correctly, right? You don't just go, go to town every time. And sometimes you try really hard and sometimes it needs the soft touch. Gratitude is the same way that we shouldn't be sitting here thinking we need to operate at 10 out of 10 gratitude levels all the time. The answer is we probably should be more grateful for what we have than we, than we are. But the more nuanced and I think more freeing aspect is that there's an appropriate level of gratitude for any given circumstance. So I also don't don't necessarily believe everything happens for a reason, but I do believe we can make meaning out of everything that happens. And I do think we can find a way to have a consistent story throughout that and, and a way to learn from everything that happens. I mean, I think that's where our true you know potentials really lie. And is just in the ability to learn. I think people who are talking about unlocking potential and all that, I don't think is a particularly healthy way to talk about it, to be honest. Interesting. So when it comes to things like gratitude and meaning making and quote unquote potential, what we're really just talking about is the ability to learn and to see how we function in any given place. And that is where things like gratitude and awe can really spring up where we can go, wow, that's how I work in that case. Boy, I really missed the boat there. I could be grateful. And then you can be grateful for that moment of learning and having, you know, I think gratitude is a great way to avoid regret, you know, because if you're continually learning from situation, what we really regret usually is, is not trying hard or not learning and not engaging with something. And that, that's really, I think the, the deepest regret is from, from missing those, those opportunities to learn, believe it or not. And gratitude is a great antidote to regret. When this is over, I mean, the weird thing is this, when we go quote, back to normal, which I don't know if we'll ever return to where we were, there may be moments where we go, oh, I miss quarantine. I guarantee that's going to happen. Go, oh, I miss Yeah, it. because I, I'm someone who gets socially anxious. And so I've loved this just time without people. And I think about that first big event, I'm not going to want to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so being a little bit grateful, like, well, this is crummy. I don't like being isolated, but I can make the best of this moment so that when it does go back to normal, we go, oh, well, I made the best of what it, when I had it. That's how, that's what I'm talking about. When being, being grateful as an antidote to um, regret that if it's, it's hard to regret things we're really grateful for. That makes sense. It does make sense. It'd be harder to wrap people's head around depending on the situation. But in general, I understand the concept. You said you dislike unlocking potential type phrasing. Could you expand on that? Because I think that will be cool. And (laughs) for those listening, and I said this in the intro, but you know, you study and you talk about the science of peak performance. So you know a lot about human potential. Gosh, it's hard to even know where to begin. When we talk about potential, right? You think about what you did when you woke up today and you think about the day that, that you have and you imagine the day you could have if you were absolutely running full throttle, right? 
most of the time when we hear the term unlock your potential, what we imagine is you wake up earlier than you've ever woken up before. You do some amazing workout and then you have a most productive work day ever. And then you, and most of the time when people are talking about unlocking potential, they're usually selling some vehicle, some external vehicle by which we trained our internal state to help us stop blocking ourselves from doing the best day ever kind of thing. And it really takes for granted and shuts down a lot of the joy for going, okay, well, where I am is where I am. And I'm going to start with what I have in front of me and make the best of the effort that I have right now. As opposed to thinking, I can finally be happy when I've unlocked my potential. What I really think what people should be saying is like, for one thing too, when people say unlock your potential, they're not, they're usually doubling down on a lot of ego ridden language as well, that, that a lot of times when it boils down to unlocking your potential, where most people are going to go is finally I can achieve all the things and the world will know how great I am. Mm-hmm. And that's another problem with that as well, that that won't work. That will be very hollow. It can feel good. And there's great things to be said for achieving and, and doing those things. But if that's the end in itself, it will prove to be pretty vacant. I really resonate with this because literally, so I spent a lot of time over the summer, like really going hard on content and putting things out there and growing my platforms and it, it worked. Mm-hmm. And then I got burnt out like most humans do. Mm-hmm. And I took like mm-hmm. two months off. And then I recently had a moment where I was like, enough of the excuses, enough of the laziness, like we're going to maximize potential. And I made, you know, the screensaver on my phone, like it's go season, level up, like grind now and chill later. And I haven't done anything since I made this a <laughs> a pact with myself two nights ago. If anything, yeah. I feel more anxious and more like a failure that I decided I was going to do this two days ago and I haven't done it. And this is kind of going into like New Year's resolutions, which is probably right around the corner. So I really relate to like, maybe that is a version of ourselves that we're being sold or that like maybe it's possible for Kobe Bryant, but it's not possible for us. And like, we have to be okay with everyone's different. Yeah. And I, I, I actually think it works well with your main message of, of accepting who we are. And that's really where, where potential lies is starts with treating each moment and what the real lesson should be. And what I'm, what I'm working on now it actually, what, what we need is a shift in how we think about time. And I think time is much more elastic. So I, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole. But what we really need to do is, is instead, don't think about potential or any of that garbage. I really don't think that's worth it. I think it's just simply as using the right feelings to make the right decisions at the right time. And our emotions and our motivation go up and down. They wax and wane. And the other thing about potential that drives me nuts is people really ascribe to this vision of the, the static thing of, of chiseling it from stone that I will chisel myself out of, out of there's, it's the sculpture analogy that, that if I, if I take this block of marble and chisel away all the distractions, what will be left is this amazing static object that will be my potential. The fact is that, that we are fluid completely um, Kobe Bryant, even when we interviewed him, did you, you asked him a question on stage, didn't you? Yeah, that was all thanks to you. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. No, you did great. And 
you know, what he said was when you asked him, maybe it was your question, what would you do differently? He said, I wish I had more compassion. I didn't ask him that one, but that's a great one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, it tells you, right? So we think Kobe Bryant is probably the, maybe one of the best examples of someone who, who really willed himself to a place, but it came at great cost. He even said so, right? And, you know, I think when we are subscribed to the notion that if we achieve enough, we'll finally feel good, it actually will set us back quite a bit. And I think what we can do when we, when we think about this is really just use the right feeling at the right time to make the right decision at that time. Where it gets really fun is you notice that, that like emotions have a resonance. So this goes back to what I was saying with this guy with BJ Fogg, that, that our good habits can come and go. And the key is to wait till we're kind of, it's like a swing. So we use our emotions like we do pushing a child on a swing. That you have to wait for the right moment to push hard to build the full swing. And I really think what, what we mean by, you know, doing our best is really getting skilled at pushing on the swing in the right time to create just the right amount of upswing where you actually don't go too far up. Cause you know, that's not very fun where you go way up and you fall, you know, <laughs> and, and also not pushing when it's coming back too hard. And it, and to connect this to our, you know, our daily idea of unlocking potential really is kind of seeing where are we with this swing? When do we push? When do we let the swing come all the way back before applying that forward pressure so that we're working kind of in resonance with where we are? That process is a learning process of learning to identify when is the right time to push? When is the right time to, to say, okay, I feel like I'm in the right place right now to really work hard. And we all want to have that nice full swing, right? We all kind of have that idea where we, we want to, to be there. And, and it, it starts by saying, well, you don't start by pushing a full swing just from a dead stop, right? You have to work your way up to that level where you let things work and you just push when it works. So meaning to put this into real terms, like when our motivation is high, that's the time to really push and, and create content and to create the things we need to create and to put the energy into the things that, that will come back to us and that will come back and then we can push again at the right time and we can recover and we can push again and we'll build up and build that nice swinging rhythm. And even that we will get tired at some point and have to kind of come back down. And it means that, that when we're tired, we don't push as hard or we don't push all the way the same way we would, we push differently. And so there's different skills for different things. And so when we're really tired and we need to relax a little bit, we kind of let the swing, you know, we let the energy kind of work out of the swing itself. This, I feel like answers a really interesting question that I think about a lot, which is the difference or the separation between mental toughness and mental health. And I think it is knowing when you can push, right? You're mentally tough if you are sore, but you push through your workout. But then there's the mental health aspect of knowing it's okay to say, I can't do this today. Like I have nothing left in my tank, or I just don't have the emotional capacity to, to have this phone call right now. And it's really hard for people to understand the difference and everyone's different, you know? So how can someone learn where their swing is at and when it's time for them? Is it just trial and error and and realizing what's not working and what is? Because 
even I had no idea. And I'm someone who I feel like has read a lot of books. Had a lot, I'm not perfect in any means, but I think contrary to the, the typical 23-year-old, I'm a tad more maybe self-aware. And I didn't even realize that two days ago, I just don't have it in me to produce the way I did this summer. Well, yeah. I mean, it, I think it, it starts by noticing. And I really think that the gateway to a lot of it is gratitude, you know, coming back to our key theme of the day here that, you know, when you start with gratitude, it is a way to kind of relieve that stress. A lot of the stress that we put on ourselves really is us just judging ourselves and having a, a really poor internal self-narrative. With gratitude, we begin to shift that narrative. We begin to shift the narrative to focusing on abundance. And it goes back to, to working with gratitude as like a little muscle that you build and you get stronger over time. And focusing on gratitude is a moment to say, okay, I'm feeling stressed, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm really grateful for the work I've put in. And I'm grateful for this moment to notice that I need to relax. It's about focusing on you know, whatever we have in front of us that can make us feel grateful. And that often will start to focus on how much energy we have to push at a given time and kind of where we are in that resonance cycle. So you have to take a step back. You have to think about your thinking. We have to think about noticing and tracking, writing things down, keeping a gratitude journal, keeping an optimism journal, all points towards noticing that where we are at a given point. And if you notice where you are and really notice it well, you know when to push. We've all had that moment where we, you know, say get home from work and we know it's time to go work out. And there's a part of your brain that's like, don't go, don't go, who cares? And you push through and you're like, boom, that was the right decision. That was awesome. Um, you really regret a workout, I really believe. <laughs> but there's also times where you're like, I feel like I need a rest and I'm going to rest. And it helps you stay motivated to work out for the rest of the week. And that is a sort of, I don't think trial and error is exactly, I think it's more trial and feel because I think error is probably the wrong term, but I think it's a really noticing, okay, this is the specific instance where I push through and I feel great afterward. This is the specific instance where I need to rest and I rest and I feel great afterward. And this is the moment where I rest and I feel like I shouldn't have rested that's where we get really tricky. That's where we start to judge ourselves, where we feel like, oh, I, I definitely hit the snack, the cookie jar pretty hard. And there are times when you want to indulge in it and it's appropriate, it feels good. And then there are times where we kind of go against what we know is our best self. So with like the workout analogy to say, the time when you knew you should have worked out, but you stayed home and rested anyway. And you thought, well, I, sometimes it's appropriate to rest and you stay home and you rest. And then it's a few hours later and you're like, oh, I should have gone to the gym, right? And so that's where, again, gratitude is sort of a battering ram against regret. You get home and you go, boy, I feel good. Like my body feels good right now, even though I don't feel like working at all. You know, the most grateful thing I could do is probably go work out because I have the energy to go outside and go for a run. Even though I, I may not feel like I have the energy, my body is working well. And so I'll be grateful to take advantage of that chance. You know, the things we regret are not taking advantage of the chances we have. So if you're grateful to go, oh man, and you you have the the ability to see the future where you think at the end of this week when I wouldn't have worked out at all. And you know, if you're here and you're getting home and it's time to work out or not, imagine your future self. Your future self is depending on you going and working out right now. So you can just take that moment to say, okay, this is the right time to relax. And I think it's just a matter of it is observing and noticing where you are. 
and and working from there. I think gratitude is a great way to do it. And also, it's okay to, and, and I don't think beating yourself up for not working out is particularly effective, if that makes sense. It's just so hard to be content with the decision you're making because in this yeah. society, we're seeing so much achievement from other people that for someone to feel like I can feel abundant and I can feel satisfied with this little thing I'm grateful for today, you instantly somewhere through your day have a conversation or see on Instagram the achievement tenfold of someone else who's just like you. And then you feel, then that triggers the guilt and shame for, you know, why couldn't I do that? Or why couldn't I muster up the strength today? So it's also tough to make these great strides with ourselves emotionally when there's so much external, there's so much accessibility to the achievements of others and seeing what they're doing. Well, (laughs) you're seeing a representation, right? You don't see the whole movie. Yeah. And these social comparisons can be really toxic, especially for young folks transitioning out of college. Anybody in a transition is at a really dangerous spot for social comparison. The the research shows that, you know, upward and downward social comparison, meaning we look up and go, oh gosh, what are they doing? Or look down and go, ha, I'm not like that. Um, those, those thoughts are just thoughts. They're pretty cheap, to be honest. They're just thoughts. It's not a big deal. You can have those thoughts and get over them. And also if you pay too much attention to them, they can become very toxic. The fact is that Looking at other people, we never really know where they're coming from. It goes it goes back to the gratitude example, right? We never know really what goes into a gift. We never really know someone's true intention behind things. And we don't really know someone's true state of mind. I think if you really have concern or a level of you know agitation when you're viewing other people on social media. That's also a, a point to reflect, to show ourselves some compassion and to dial it back from maybe comparing ourselves to that person. One of the worst things we do to each other is like at least each other. This is a Brene Brown thing that I thought was amazing. Is like, if you want to have empathy for people, never when someone says, oh, I had a really tough day, never say, well, at least blah, 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 at least blah, blah, blah. Because you're just bargaining, right? You're bargaining and you're, you're, you're using an internal currency that doesn't exist to calculate where you are on this like social ledger to say, well, at least I didn't uh, spill coffee on myself before my talk or at least whatever, you know, at least I didn't get hit by a car or something, right? There's no bottom to that to say at least this or look at that. Like there's no, there's no bottom to it. And, and, you know, the, the further we go to search for that bottom just means the further away we are from the truth, which is, you know, we are where we are and we have this moment to feel like we're in the right place at the right time, to look around, to take a deep breath with what we have. And then if it's really causing problem, please do delete your social media. Now you are interesting in this regard, Victoria, because you have a lot of social media presence, but you and I have talked about this. You've even said something to the tune that like you, Victoria, you don't think that you use social media, but you have an online presence. Like, no, no, no. Here, Did I this say is this? Two or three years ago, things Many changed. years ago. No, no. No, no. Well, you did say this years ago, but I think, I hope you stuck to this because I think it was smart that you said, I still edit what I put up. I'm okay showing certain aspects of myself, but I don't show everything. And so, you know, that's what you, I thought it was really wise that you're saying that you're trying to build a platform 
right? You're trying to build a, I hate the word, but a brand, I believe. And, but there's still a limit to the vulnerability that, not a limit, maybe there's a strategy behind which, where you want to go when you put stuff up, isn't there? Yeah. And that's still true. You know, I am definitely way more vulnerable on social media than the average person, but Mm -hmm. there are things that I typically don't share something unless I feel like I am on the downhill slope of that issue. I mean, everything I kind of overcame, the worst I've overcame happened before I had a presence. So it's easier Mm -hmm. for me to talk about it because I feel like I've gotten through it. But I even had an issue like last year where I was just feeling really lonely. I just felt like I didn't have a lot of friends. I felt like everyone I knew kind of moved after college. And that was definitely something I was not comfortable sharing because I thought it maybe looked like a loser. I was still really insecure about that. But then having kind of gotten through that and really figured out how I feel about those things, I now feel comfortable sharing. Yeah, I don't have a huge friend group in Los Angeles. And so now I'm on the other side. So there's definitely a method to it of, of I want to feel confident in what I'm going through and what I feel like the solution is for my life before I share that issue with people. So it's still, still true. But I actually had two things come to mind with what you were just saying. Both I want to I want to ask you about. The first was, does gratitude exist in the absence of comparison? Because it seems like we have to get rid of comparison to be truly grateful. Gratitude is always going to have a certain relative relative value. So gratitude studies have shown that that if you knew you could get ten dollars but you get eight dollars, you're less grateful than if you get eight dollars but you're expecting six dollars. Right. So. Gratitude can really be against the backdrop of whatever we expected. So the, the, the lesson from that, though, is to always shift the, the baseline, our gratitude baseline, down, as far down as possible to say we deserve nothing, that we are humble enough to receive whatever it is that we receive, that we do not feel any sense of entitlement, that every day that you wake up and you're able to put your feet on the floor is another day to go, holy holy crap, it's a miracle. Like I'm still here. And so the, the key, of course, gratitude does come against this comparison because we have something compared to not have something, right? So there, there is always going to be a sense of relativity to, or a sense that, that gratitude is kind of in comparison to something else. So it's our job to lower that baseline and to be in awe and to feel a sense of magnificence when we notice things that, that we have. And that doesn't and that's the skill. I think that's part of the building that that abundance mindset to say, wow, we didn't, I didn't deserve any of this and I still have it. My boyfriend, Max, is huge on the, we don't, never using the word deserve. Like he always says, I don't deserve shit. And like he kind of, his sports career is a, a heartbreaking one that would make a lot of people say things like, Max, you deserve to blah, blah, blah. You deserve this. And he's always whispering to me, I don't deserve shit. Like he, he's got a very, I'm at the bottom mentality. And as a result, like just, he's never getting his expectations crushed. He's never, you know, getting let down in that way because he starts with such a, like anything is, is great. And it's something I admire, but it's hard to get that way. Especially when in just everyday life, you hear people saying like, ask for what you deserve or like you're confident, especially when we talk about women, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. having to feel a, a tiny bit of entitlement just based on like inequality over time. So it's interesting how some of the philosophies of mindfulness and, you know, the things that are very real and very true that you, as well as many other great doctors talk about and psychologists, 
kind of also go against the more popular societal terms like ask for what you deserve, put your blinders on or like, you know, just those cliches. <laughs> yeah. it. Gosh, what an awesome nuance. What a great point to to dive into. And it's perfectly good to wrestle with these things as well. It's perfectly good to see the nuance and know there's no some, there's not some logical truth out there, you know, that, that there's an artistry to asking for what we want. And, you know, when it comes to social justice issues, right. I think that, you know, in, in asking for even personal justice, right. That we still have a duty to advocate for our own, you know, life force for the people who will come behind us. You know, it's not about gratitude also isn't about just accepting, you know, whatever crumbs we get, you know, it's not being grateful for those crumbs. It's being at the end of the day, it's being grateful for life itself and being grateful for our own volition. And the the old parable, one of the big paradoxes in gratitude philosophy goes back to, you know, the ancient Greeks where they talk about should, should we be grateful for our captors, Right. Should we be grateful for the people who maybe take advantage of us, but provide for us? So you could think about this in a labor relationship sort of thing where like, should you be grateful for the people who maybe pay you, but make a lot of money off of your own work? And it's a tricky answer. There's no clear thing. I think that what we shouldn't, we shouldn't be grateful for people who want to abuse us, who give us crumbs when when we do in fact deserve more based on our humanity, you know? So I think that there is kind of a baseline of what we deserve and we all deserve a fair shot. And if you see injustice, we, we deserve, uh, maybe deserve the right word, but we have a right to speak up for it. And I think we, we have a right to ask for equality all the time. Now there's a difference between sort of that, that we deserve to ask for the things that we do deserve as humans but then there's there's kind of a, a nuance to it where it's not like we deserve an easy time getting that. It, and it's hard because not everyone has the same access to things. You know, there there is an art to the to gratitude in that regard. Remember, it's a skill. It just goes back to the original analogy that what we can be grateful for is the voice. What we can be grateful for is the, is mechanisms that we maybe didn't see before to enact change. We can be grateful that that anybody can start a Twitter campaign to raise awareness for some issue that they have and they they certainly have a right and deserve to do that now do we deserve all the accolades that go along with it i don't think so you know i think keeping those things in context is really important and of course we all every usc fan knows about max and you know and and how how tough it was for him and certainly he deserves our, our thanks for trying as hard as he could. <laughs> I really think so. And, you know, we don't, we don't always get what we deserve, unfortunately. I mean, I think that's part of it. We might deserve to try. We don't necessarily um, always get what we want. That's but another we, great question is why do bad things happen to good people? I always grapple with that one. <laughs> well, of course. I mean, we all do, right? There's no, there's no answer. I mean, there's some randomness to this stuff. And, you know, when we, can we be grateful for really, hard times, I think so, right? If we learn from them, it goes, it again, returns to this idea of potential coming from our ability to learn. And I think gratitude for tough times doesn't mean that we're grateful for, for really bad things that happen to us, but maybe we're grateful for the lessons that can come from them. And that, that our suffering might be 
lessened if we use the lessons that we learn to reduce suffering in other people. And so we, we can be grateful for it. I mean, you can even think to the things that you're sharing with people. Maybe you can even feel some gratitude for the, the hurdles you've overcome because it's given you the opportunity to help other people with it. For sure. People ask all the time, like if I regret going to USC because I experienced my mental health issues because of playing volleyball there. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I would go there 10 times over because there were so many gold nuggets that helped me be who I was. And it's like to say I would do it differently would mean I would have no idea who I am now. And I love who I have become. And so to take away the pain or any sort of suffering I experienced in college would mean I wouldn't be who I am. So it's always interesting because it's like, I'm not grateful for being depressed, but I wouldn't, I don't regret it. So it's like, that's how it sneaks up on you. In the very beginning, you said that gratitude and happiness should not be synonyms, but is gratitude like the path to happiness? I think I remember learning that gratitude brings you closest to the emotion of happiness. Is that true? Well, let's start with the first kind of question of, of how are they different? How are they the same? I think it's important to distinguish them because when, when I tell people to practice gratitude, what I'm not telling people is be happy all the time because I don't think that's possible or even really that desirable, to be honest. It goes back to what you were just saying that we, we have these struggles and, and no, they're not fun. They hurt. And there's a difference though between you know suffering and making a context out of it and not making a context out of it. Right? A lot of things turn out that like we just, you know, we wish that, that COVID hadn't happened, right? And there's a lot of empty Thanksgiving chairs, you know? So we're not saying we should be happy right now. We can find some degree of happiness. And, the, and I think being like grateful for something like Zoom is fine. Um, I think being grateful for, you know, maybe hopefully some of us have, for those of us who've been able to maintain our health, we should be grateful for that. I really don't like this whole safer at home thing. I think that the messaging should be fight at home, right? That like by us not being in person, we are fighting this virus. We are taking things into our own control by not being in the same office, by connecting via Zoom. We are fighting, right? So everybody who's suffering at home, who maybe feels really lonely or, or without a lot of hope, um, who has lost a job or something, you, we're all still fighting by doing what we can do and it's, it's those of us who are endangering public health by not following these things that aren't fighting. So we are fighting by sticking home and it's hard and that's what makes it a hard fight. But we will we'll learn that we can fight together. We've certainly prevented a lot of suffering through the fight that we've had. So gratitude is being a path to happiness. I, I don't even think we need to think of happiness as being some big goal. I don't Destination, think yeah. I remember... Dr. Sony, who I loved in your class, yeah. said happiness is not a destination. It's a state you cultivate. And I've just never forgotten that. Yeah. No, he's totally right. Right. And I think chasing it means you'll lose it, you know, like a lot of these things. So there's there's art to these things. And it starts with just learning to feel. And we haven't talked about this here, but I do think a lot of it comes down to learning to feel good, like we're right where we should be at any given moment. I think that's the greatest source of energy. I think that's the source of flow state. I think it's the source of so much when we really know that we're in the right place at the right time. We have so much energy. Like you never run out of energy if you're like, I'm doing the right thing right now at the right time and I feel the right way about it. 
you'll you'll almost never run out of energy for that thing. I think that's where really the high high you know the people who really feel and do the the most with their days by their definition, not ours, by their definition, the people who do the most with their own days, according to their own definition, are people who really just feel like they're in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Very last thing, what are some actionable ways people can practice gratitude? Obviously, everyone's probably heard about the list a few things in the morning, but are there any like next level or secret sauce tips you can give us? Um, Yeah, so... It is just, just treat it as an experiment. Think of gratitude as a muscle. It's very obvious, you know, the next level things, it's not so much like I can give you the, the hack to, you know, some video game that gets you closer to the end. You know, the thing is like, you just, the, the greatest tip I can say is lower your expectations without subverting your own humanity, right? Like lower that baseline and really practice small things, you know, practice one step at a time, treat your gratitude like a muscle, practice focusing on one small thing at a time. And if you do that on a moment to moment basis, it will, it will, you'll learn to flex and feel grateful. Even when things are really, really weighing heavy on your shoulders, you'll have developed the musculature to hold it up. So the key, you know, way to, to really unlock, (laughs) there's that word, to really practice and and develop that gratitude muscle is find the smallest thing you can be grateful for at any given moment. Maybe it's the paint on your desk or the whatever it is, the one little freckle on your skin or something like that. And, And then never judge if you're like, oh, I feel no gratitude for that. Okay, no problem. Start over, find something else and just practice. Just find, pick something and try to be grateful for it. And then don't force it. Remember, it's like the swing push as it needs to. If your swing is at rest, push a little bit and then let it come back and go like, okay, can I be grateful for the, the trees outside? Okay, a little bit and push and let it come back and be like, oh, wow, look how green they are. Push a little harder. Wow, somebody had to plant them. Push, you know, and that will build that resonance. So it starts with noticing where you are. It starts with picking something. Don't force it. Don't push. Don't try to lift too much at one time. Just start with little weights and rep by rep, your gratitude muscles will get stronger. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to do that the, the second that this ends. I actually think like nature has been a huge thing I've been grateful for this whole pandemic. Like anytime I walk outside, I'm just like, I just feel so much more at ease because we're all cooped up inside every day these days. But Dr. Glenn Fox, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today. And I think this is such a special conversation, especially given the times we're in and also the emphasis on gratitude and thankfulness that just comes along with the holiday season. And this is a different holiday season this year, one that you know none of us have experienced before. So appreciate all of your wisdom. You did drop those bombs of knowledge. So you met the expectations. Um, and thank you so much. Of course. Thank you, Victoria. Thanks for having me and best wishes to you and, and anybody out there listening to this. Please feel free to, you know, you can follow me on social media if you want at Glenn R. Fox on Twitter, yes. Dr. Glenn Fox on Instagram. I, I love your like, Twitter. Do you ever see, I, I like some of your stuff. I responded yeah, to Yeah, no, things. I appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> that. So I have only a few hundred followers, but I have a lot of fun on Twitter. So you can catch my random ramblings and I post readings. I, I am writing a little bit more, so I post stuff up there. So come enjoy and, and just sending the absolute best to you, Victoria, and everything you're, you're doing here. And um, 
to all your all the people listening right now like just take great care and and just just take care of yourselves and try to get the most you can out of the holidays and and just be nice to yourself if you enjoyed this episode with Dr. Glenn Fox, be sure to follow him on Twitter at Glenn R. Fox. He is such a great follow and we are so grateful we got to hear from him today. I wanted to shout out Candice for her review last week on the podcast. She left a five-star review, captioned it literally the best, and she wrote... How to Find Meaning and Purpose is the podcast episode I never knew I needed. Real Pod is so relatable and everyone should listen to this episode when they hang up their cleats, skates, gloves, or whatever sport they play. Candice, thank you so much for rating the podcast and leaving such a kind review. I'm so happy to hear that you loved last week's episode. If you guys enjoyed this episode, you can leave a rating and a review right now. It takes literally less than 10 seconds and I would love to hear from you all and know what you think of the show and if you're enjoying it. I will be reading reviews on every episode from here on out. So I'm really excited. And if hopefully you leave a review, I would love to shout you out. So thanks again, Candace. If you want to keep up with RealPod, make sure you're following us on Instagram at RealPod. You can also follow me at Victoria Garrick. And I will be back here next Wednesday with a brand new episode and a brand new fantastic guest. I hope you guys have the best rest of your week. And if you are celebrating this week, I hope it is full of love and gratitude on the theme of this episode. And as always, keep it real.